I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. And now for something completely different. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I'm doing something different. Oh, it's still story time, don't worry about that. But today we're sharing the stories. As I've said in the past, I've wanted to try some different things with story time. I mean, it's always about the stories. Long-time listeners know I love to share my stories. Stories about what it was like growing up, things that I remember, music that I loved, movies that I liked, my view of the world. But as I've also said, I know everybody has stories. Everybody has stories about what they've been through, what they remember, what their hopes, what their dreams are. Everybody's got stories. And I'm always interested in people's stories. So today, we're sharing story time with Brian Chappelle. If you watch me on Twitch, you probably know Bryant. I've known Brian for several years now, and I got the chance to sit down with him last week and we recorded our conversation, and I wanted to share it with you because Bryant's an interesting guy. He creates content, he started on Twitch, but now he's the host of the very successful YouTube channel, The Nerf Report. He's a guy with drive and desire, and I wanted to hear some of his stories. So that's what we're doing today. Now, this episode is going to be a little longer than we usually do, but the conversation was so good, and Bryant had so much to say, I just wanted to be able to share the whole thing with you. So that's what we have today, story time with Brian Chappelle. All right, I'm here with Brian Chappelle, the host of The Nerf Report, and one of my earliest internet Twitch friends that I can think of, and who I really wanted to take time to interview today. So, Brian, thanks for being here. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. Those were the uh, the golden days back when uh, <laughs> dinosaurs were still on Twitch and uh, we we had rocks and sticks and that was what pong. we watched people play with. As a matter of fact, it was rocks and sticks. Look at him throw that stick. It's amazing yeah, how much yeah. distance he gets. Those were the good days. <laughs> I do remember coming across you on Twitch. These are back in the days when Battlefront was the game that everybody was playing. And uh, I saw you on Grand Theft Auto, and I know you were having a lot of different things going on with your stream. What prompted you to start streaming on Twitch? You know, it was uh, my PlayStation 4 had like this. You've probably seen it. It had like the awesome like live stream section Mm -hmm. where you could see people just streaming and it would be like literally people just standing in their living rooms and streaming or people playing video games. And I remember one night watching someone, I was like, this person has a hundred people watching them. And I was like, this could be fun. So uh, first stream I did, I got really, 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 really lucky. Uh, it was alien isolation, I think. Oh yeah. I remember and that uh, I hit, I want to say someone will find the photo and call me out on this, but it's like, <laughs> I think it was like 300 viewers the first wow. night, which is insane. Um, wow. And that, and ever since there, the bug has just been there. I've just been trying to get to that 300 viewers, just try and get back to that one moment. <laughs> so alien isolation, your first game, what's the game you streamed the most on Twitch? Um, GTA is probably up there. Grand Theft Auto 5, doing like GTA Online. No Man's Sky, I, I dived into oh, that yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple 24-hour streams with that one. Outlast would be up there. But yeah, I would probably say GTA 5. Favorite game? Favorite game, I'd go back and forth on. Uh, Uncharted is uh, Uncharted 4 is always my favorite game. I, I, I absolutely adore that video game. 
But uh, GTA five back then was one of those games that I could stream and not get bored of. I mean, as you're aware, uh, Twitch is Twitch is a really weird beast. If you're either a, a Call of Duty streamer and you're getting tons of views and that's all you play, or you're on this constant search to find a game that you like that your audience is also interested in watching and it's hard to find those games. So my mentality at the time was, well, GTA's here. I kind of like GTA, but it definitely, definitely got burnt out on it. It's easy to do. You spend so much time with the game and then all of a sudden you're just at your limit and you need something new. Yeah. One of my favorite Twitch memories actually is a clip of you playing <laughs> GTA and I think you're in a helicopter <laughs> yep. and you're like, how do I shoot the gun? And someone says, push triangle, which is the eject button. And then you just <laughs> fall out of the helicopter and just hit the ground. It's by far one of my favorite clips. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that was that was my introduction to uh, GTA. The uh, <laughs> The friends who invited me to play were teaching me all of the ins and outs, including how to hit the eject button. So that was <laughs> that was very nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you spent how how many months, years did you concentrate solely on streaming? You know, I talked to I was trying to get this answer from my wife because I was like, I, my Twitch time, I don't really look on it very fondly just because it, it's such a blur because so much of my time during that period was invested into streaming. Uh, if I wasn't streaming, I was off stream working on you know, updating graphics, updating logos, updating alerts, stuff like that. And I want to say it was like a year and a half to two solid years of just okay. streaming. And I tried to do it four nights a week, but it just like that time period in my life. It, it's, I don't know. It, it's tough. I don't really, it, it's just, it, it's a really, it's a really weird part of my life that is, uh, I don't know. It's hard to look back on it. Like I obviously had fun, but it was just like, man, I spent a lot of time doing that. Was it, was it kind of like looking for a direction for you? Something that you really wanted to produce content to be out there to have people see? Is that what was motivating you? Yeah. I think that looking back at it now that that definitely is the case, right? Like I was just looking for an outlet uh, where I could create something, either make somebody laugh or just have that connection with another person. And I'm the type of person that if I'm going to be invested in something, I'm going to be invested 120%. And unfortunately with Twitch, I was doing that. And Every waking hour was invested. It was affecting, you know, my personal health of not eating healthy because I got to be on stream in 20 minutes. So I got to order McDonald's and or order mm. fast food. And then yep. uh, going to the gym is out of the question because tonight's a stream night. And then on top of that, I mean, I haven't really shared this with many people, but like the the personal relationships kind of go out the door as well. Um, my wife and I got really close to, to ending things because oh, wow. of my relationship with Twitch that I was literally just focused on Twitch and not our relationship. Um, so towards the end, I was like, you know, I need to, I need to find an outlet that can have this same energy, but also not have the same strain on my physical personal and everything around me. So I decided to start a YouTube channel, which is uh, 120 hours a week. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so really you improved your lot there. 
Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm getting better. I'm getting better at being like, like last night, for example, uh, I had 30 things on a uh, sheet that I wanted to complete. And um, I was like, you know what? I could work or I could watch Yellowstone. And I was like, I'm I'm just going to watch Yellowstone. I'm just going to sit back and just have a night off. Uh, And I think any, any creator, a live streamer or a content creator on YouTube or Facebook or anywhere, you have to have those moments that you say, it's okay for me to take a break right now. How do you get to that moment? How do you make that determination that it's time to take a break? Usually it's an honest conversation with myself that I can feel it, that I say I'm not having fun anymore, or it's becoming a drag. You know, leading up to this week, that was definitely the position I was in where I was just like, oof, you know, it's, it's, do it, is this something I want to continue in? And anytime I have the question of, should I call it? Should I just stop? That's where I'm like, okay, hey, we're, we're working too hard. We might need to take, you know, self-reflection moment or take a break at least on that end. So you have to have a certain degree of self-awareness. You have to be able to get into your own head and determine when is time for you to stop, right? 100%. Was there, I hate to use the word epiphany because it sounds so dramatic, but was there an epiphany during that twitch time where you had that clear moment that that lightning bolt that said oh geez i gotta stop this and do something else you know i wish i could say that there was like that disney moment that i was like oh man i gotta get my life in order but there wasn't it literally was just kind of me kind of and i guess looking thinking about it right now Maybe it was going to couples counseling and talking with my wife and and maybe it was sitting back and realizing that, hey, you know, you're working a full time job during the day. And then at night, you know, you're streaming to 1 a.m. to, you know, five or six viewers. And, you know, what are you doing? And that that definitely is kind of one of those self-awareness moments where it's like, hey, what are we, you know, kind of a cost versus benefit analysis? What are you spending versus, you know, what are you reaping from that? What's your return on investment? And now that I'm thinking of it, yeah, there probably was definitely one of those moments back then. Now, you said you're doing about 120 hours on the Nerf report? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's only, you know, most of your waking hours during a week, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> like a prime example is last night, I, I was like, you know, I'm gonna take a break, but then I went to bed. And I had a little alert pop up on my phone and I was like, oh, that's a, that's a really good point. And then that was like, you know what? I should do this. And then I looked over, my wife was asleep and I was like, all right, I can sneak off and make some Photoshop <laughs> and start working in my office. But, um, it, you know, there's definitely a healthier balance on the YouTube side. One of the big differences between YouTube and Twitch is on Twitch, you really have to be polished. Like when you're live streaming, you almost have to be on 24 7 and you can't have a dull moment whereas youtube when you're creating content like video there's a little more rub or a little more room to kind of like wiggle around there's a lot of bloopers that people don't see i mean what my (laughs) videos get posted up are very i think professional but if you were to see the recording process people would be like my god um (laughs) and there's part of my ego that's like hey that's 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 kind of nice because nobody gets to see behind the curtain in that sense you do a great job with those videos, everything from, you know, your makeup work and your, your attitude to just the topics you cover. Thank you. How did you evolve a Twitch stream mentality to this almost journalistic reporter type mentality that you exhibit so well on the Nerf Report? You know, growing up, I was always a fan of uh, G4 
and Attack of the Show um, and kind of all those gaming shows. And I always was like, man, those guys were way ahead of their time. If they would just come back today, which now they have. Yeah. Um, but if they would come back, I think that they would be very successful in today's market. And I felt that that was something that was missing. So I started to kind of try to figure out ways to create that within the nerf report um another side of it too and and i don't know if i've talked to anyone about this but i was at south by southwest and i was meeting with the host of attack the show kevin Pereira, was doing a panel and there was a conversation of what is the difference between being a live streamer and being a you know uh an outlet right like attack of the show can live forever Uh, whereas a live streamer you're really building that just around yourself and that kind of stuck with me where it was like, you know, if if I don't show up to a live stream and Joe Schmo is taking over it, people are going to be like, hey, where's Bryant? But if I build the Nerf report correctly, I can bring other people in and now the Nerf, the Nerf report can live beyond me. And, and that's kind of always been a, a cool concept for me. So I see that you've evolved the Nerf report over the years. It was once just once a week, correct? Yes. And now you're doing it basically every day, but shorter snippets. Yeah. Yeah. What prompted you to make that, uh, that change? Learning the ins and outs of YouTube. So originally, like you were saying, it was kind of like long form content. The episodes would be anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes and it would be uploaded every Sunday. Uh, and the idea was we're going to nerf all the week's gaming news into one show. And, uh, what I quickly realized is Garnering people's attention for 15 or 20 minutes in today's world is very difficult. We do um, have very short attention spans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah, I mean, that's longer than 10 seconds? Oh, no, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> I mean, heck, man. I mean, I'll watch a TikTok and I'll just be like, get to the point. You know, you, you're not going fast enough for me these days. <laughs> 60 seconds? Jeez, yeah, yeah. what the hell's wrong with them? Exactly. <laughs> um, so then I was like, okay, you know, let's talk about doing that. Let's let's maybe shorten these up if we can. And then I got to work with uh, another content creation company here in Austin by the name of Rooster Teeth. And uh, they had a I gaming news show at the point called The No. And I was in a meeting with one of the top execs at Rooster Teeth. And the, the conversation was, your biggest hurdle as a channel right now is that you're not posting daily. Uh, and they kind of was they kind of alerted me to something that I've always heard of but never really knew. But when you look at YouTube, every minute there's like five thousand hours of content or some stupid number being uploaded. So if you upload a video on Sunday once a week, by noon that day, your video is already out of the cycle. And, and that's unfortunately the way YouTube works. So for for someone to be successful on YouTube, and I say that in quotes, because I really don't see myself as truly successful yet. But in order to build an audience and to garner attention, you almost have to be posting daily content just to get over that hurdle of the other billions of videos that are being posted on that subject. So short form form content is a lot easier to, you know, gauge people's interest. If someone sees a video and they say, this one's three minutes, it's a lot easier to justify three minutes than it is 18 minutes. And then from a daily content, it's just evolved because it's what YouTube requires at the end of the day. You said something interesting. You don't see yourself as successful. I would defer with that characterization. But why don't you see your success, your success the way that I would see it? Oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how much time do you want? Go ahead. Tell us. 
you know, I, I'm sure there's there's a little bit of um, there's never enough, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, uh, the channel is getting anywhere from like 1,500 to 2,000 viewers a day. Every month, there's 90,000 viewers. I mean, that's that's an audience that a lot of creators, both live streamers and, and content creators would kill for. And, and I fully understand that. But in the grand scheme, in the market that the Nerf Report is, is with video game content. You know, when you're up against the, the PewDiePie's of the world and you're up against the IGNs and the Kotaku's, the people who've been doing it for, for 10 to 20 years and you see they upload a video and they get 30,000 views or somebody uploads a video on the exact same topic whose video might be a, a little less more polished than yours is and they get a hundred thousand views and you upload something on that exact same topic and you only hit a hundred to 200 300 views that's a very difficult pill to swallow and uh, unfortunately in the world of daily content that's something you have to swallow a lot unfortunately how do you handle that when you see that the guy who just posts something he recorded off his phone in the backseat of his car versus something you've polished in your studio and he's double your views. How do you handle that? Four bottles of whiskey and tears. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you know, Voodoo dolls. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's A lot of it's just blinders. You know, I was talking with someone today about this very same topic and uh, I mentioned with YouTube, you have to have blinders on. You can't pay attention to what other people are doing. You you got to just pay attention to your avenue, keep racing, uh, and then you know occasionally take a take a check around of what you're doing. But I think that where I'm at now, the comment section and the likes and um, the feedback on other social media platforms that has become more of an indicator of success than the actual view count or the subscriber count. But when I see someone who posts trailers and just does voiceover work, that's extremely discouraging. <laughs> but um, it, it's just one of those that I think I've just kind of gotten a harder skin about it. And it's just like, all right, man, that's just the world we're in. There's a point where you just have to make your peace with something like that. Well, right. And there's also the side of it, too, that you have to have a realization that every creator has their own journey, right? This guy that I see who's posting trailers and just talking over it. This is the first time that I'm seeing his content, but he could have been creating videos for the last 15 years. Hmm. And when he posts something, he might have a hundred thousand subscribers that that video gets sent to, which immediately boosts him to 20 to 30,000 subscribers. So with us being on the smaller side, obviously we're not going to be hitting that number when we post something, but uh, it's still, it's, it's, it's discouraging. I, and I totally understand that. I totally get it. With that in mind, where do you see the Nerf report in five years? You know, in five years, um, I'm hoping that we could, I can at least quit my day job and have uh, this be my full time career. Like that would be the ultimate goal. I think hiring some other people would be dope. Like right now, we're working with this great team who translate every single video that we do into Spanish. Oh, and wow. they upload it on Nerf Report Espanol. And that opens us up to uh, markets we've never hit on the Nerf Report channel for like Mexico and Guatemala and all these other uh, Spanish-speaking countries. And I would love to bring them on. I would love to bring other foreign language speakers in, like uh, you know people from India and other, other regions that we could start expanding this content into, but then also bringing more faces in. And then uh, long-term after that, one of my goals is essentially to 
take the formula that we have with the Nerf report and start asking the question of, can we expand into different verticals? Can we get into a music vertical? Can we get into a movie vertical? Can we get into beauty? Can we hire some girl from UT to come in and be a star on our channel and review products and talk about beauty products or talk about being a mom or how can we take what we've learned here and work with other creators to bring them underneath the umbrella and maybe build a media empire, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And that kind of leads me to the next question that I wanted to ask. Is there something after the Nerf report that you see for yourself or is the Nerf report the vehicle that you're going to try to expand? No, I definitely think that there's going to be a day that I step aside. Um, I've got gray popping up in my beard. <laughs> um, so I think my day is talking about video games. I mean, I guess I guess that's not fair because, uh, what's it, Marcus uh, Lepore? Is that his name? Over on Twitter this week in tech. I think it's Marcus something. He's He's been talking about tech since I was like 12 years old. So right. there's still hope for me. Um, <laughs> there's still hope yeah you're so ancient <laughs> hey man i feel i feel old um, but you know i think taking a step back and maybe taking more of a producer role would be fun with the idea of opening a studio and, and hiring other people i would love to create like a, a mentorship program where content creators who are in the position that i'm in right now who have a really cool concept but could benefit from a studio Studio environment or a podcast studio, bring them in and mentor them and say, hey, here's what you need to do. And basically just give them the tools to succeed and allow them to create their own futures. I think that that would be the dream job for me, to be honest. That sounds like a great path, actually. That sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it kind of goes back to the whole rooster teeth thing, really. I wasn't sure if YouTube or Twitch could be a lifetime career. When I was streaming, of course, you see the ninjas of the world and you're like, oh, that would be fun if I was making millions of dollars every single month to play video games. <laughs> but I wasn't sure if it was possible. And my first day in at Rooster Teeth, they gave me a tour of their beautiful studios that they have there. And it was the first realization I had that this is a possibility and you can make a career out of this and you can create something that has 150 people working there. And I would love to be able to repay that forward to other creators in the future. Great plan. Awesome plan. I'm going to shift gears on you now because you did mention something about feeling old and getting older, something I'm very well familiar with. <laughs> and uh, as long as you don't mind talking about personal stuff, I was going to talk about you being a new dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she will be, uh, I don't know when this will be airing, but she will be six months old tomorrow, which is insane. Six months, it's just the perfect age because you still love them like they're little babies. They're not walking away from you yet. They're not cursing you out yet. That'll come. Um, <laughs> they're not but... <laughs> jacking up your insurance bill. <laughs> That's right. You don't have to put them on the insurance policy yet. Don't declare them as a driver. Yeah. But the general question is, how has fatherhood changed your life? How is it different for you now? Oh, it's, it, it's night and day. You know, people tell you when you become a dad that your life is going to change. And I always had kind of a, a half-cocked response to that. And I'm like, oh, okay, like that'll be fun. Like, okay, guy. But once it happened, I, I can't believe how much my life has just changed. Like in, in a matter of an instant, you have this human being who you're now responsible for. And not just in the sense of making sure that they're fed and making sure that their diapers are changed and making sure that, you know, they go to bed on time. But it's in the sense of, 
you're now responsible for this human being who is going to grow old and potentially impact the world. And that that's a heavy thought some nights where you're like, did I do everything in my power? And there's there's been this kind of moment that I'm like, hey, you know, I'm obviously going to let this kid down. There, there's going to be moments where I'm going to be the bad guy. And I'm already prepping myself for that. But I'm also prepping myself to be like, hey, give yourself a goal as a parent, right? And so I have three goals for my daughter. And uh, one of them is to understand that every person around you is human. And that's something that my daughter has taught me. That when you see somebody on the street, you understand that's a person that's going through something, but it's also someone that used to be a baby. And somewhere along the line, they either had a great life or somebody just <laughs> messed them up. But we all start in this form of a baby. Um, the second one is to, in anything that you do, give 110%. And when you're finished, you need to look at what you've done and say, is there anything that I can do to make this better? And then the third one, of course, is wherever you go to make sure that you leave that place better off than it was when you arrived. And I feel like those three lessons or those three goals are almost the quintessential things to be a good person. Like, obviously, there's other things, donating to charity, you know, helping the homeless and other things like that. But I feel like those three things, if I can nail those with her, I've done a good job as a dad. I can't disagree with any of that. That's that's a that's a checklist I wish I'd had several years ago. <laughs> so, what's the biggest surprise that you've had as a dad so far? How much this kid poops. Uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, I definitely wildly underestimated how many diapers I'd be buying in my <laughs> lifetime, but I think it's also just how humbling it is. You know, yes, to to see <laughs> this kid stare at you as if you're their world and you're just like, man, everything that I've done, I must've done something right just to have this moment. And it's, it's super awesome. And I have friends who are like, I'm never going to have kids. And after having a kid, I'm like, you have no idea what you're missing, man. Like it's one of the coolest things in the world. So this will be a hard question because there is no one answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, your favorite thing so far, favorite thing about being a dad. Uh, oof, that is a hard question. Definitely now that she's now now that she's uh, six months old, the laughs are fun. You know, she's starting to get these belly laughs, and it's yep. it's so addicting. My wife and I we read to her every night before we go to bed, and uh, or before she goes to bed, and she, we were reading the uh, Hungry Caterpillar to her, and for some reason, every line from the Hungry Caterpillar was like the most funniest thing on the world to her, <laughs> and so she was just belly laughing. So we're trying to read the story, and she's just laughing out of control and yeah definitely baby laughs are probably my favorite thing how about your least favorite thing um you know probably going to the movies is that bad to say no no not at all <laughs> we why we used why to, going to the movies we used to go to the movies a lot um before we had kids like we had movie pass back in the day um mm -hmm. i pride myself saying that we put movie pass out of business but <laughs> We uh, now that we've had a kid, going to the movies are a little bit more difficult. Uh, yes. You got to get a babysitter. You got to get them all prepped, and you got to hope to God that there's something in theaters that you want to see. And then you have the debate of should we just wait a couple weeks because it'll just be on the screen? It'll just be on our TVs. 
waiting for it to come to a streaming service. It's yeah. much easier that yeah, way. Yeah, that's what we did with Uncharted, and, and I, yeah. I don't regret it. Uncharted, I enjoyed it watching at home. So since this is story time, I have to ask you about a childhood story of yours that you want to make sure your daughter knows. Something that happened to you, something your parents shared with you, some experience that you had. What's something from your childhood that you want to make sure your daughter knows about? You know, with becoming a parent, it's weird. You you start to have these realizations that like, oh, my parents were in the same situation that I was, right? And, and you start to humanize your parents. Before you have a kid, you're kind of like, oh, my parents, man. Like, oh, they, you know, you're always just kind of sighing or you're like, they could have done this. They could have done that. And, and then you start to pick up on things that you're like, you know, hey, I'd like to kind of do this a little differently with my kid. And, you know, growing up, I loved to disassemble things. You know, if I had a DVD player, I would take apart that DVD player. If I had a, a toy, I would take a screwdriver, take it apart and just see how it worked. And I was never really allowed to do that. It was always kind of considered like, why are you breaking things? Like, hey, this thing had four screws when you took it apart <laughs> and now it has one left over. Where did you not put a screw? And I think that a story like that to my daughter is like, hey, if we're going to do that type of stuff, I'm going to go all in. We're, we're going to Goodwill. We're going to pick you up a bunch of electronics and we're going to take them apart. But definitely a story like that to say, hey, if you're curious about something, tell me you're curious about it because we're going to do nothing but do that thing. Nice. Well, we are getting towards the end of our recording time, so I'm going to switch gears one more time, and I'm going to play James Lipton from Inside the Actor's Studio. Do you remember that show? I legit thought that was the iced tea guy. <laughs> okay, so this is me feeling old now. Thank you for that. <laughs> James Lipton did a show called Inside the Actor's Studio, and he did it back in the late 90s all the way through the mid-2000s. And uh, he would have these famous actors on, and they would do an interview kind of like we just did. And he'd always end the interview with just a series of one-off questions like, what's a smell you can't stand? Mm. And uh, what's your favorite color? So we're not going to use those questions. Okay. We're just going to throw a couple out here for you, though. We kind of touched on favorite video game, but if you had to pick one game that was your video game of choice for the rest of your life, that's the only game you could play, which one would you pick? Uh, Uncharted 4. It's, it's hands down. Great game. How about the least favorite game? One you played and say, oh, God, never again. Oh, man, I've played some really bad games. Um, <laughs> it would probably, that's a tough one. If I never played it again, I know people are probably going to get upset by this, but maybe like Borderlands. Like if I never oh. had to play Borderlands again, I'd be perfectly fine. I just as I'm getting older, these long games that take like 70 hours to complete, they just, <laughs> I have no interest in those games right now. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. I actually like Borderlands myself. I'm one of those guys who doesn't like a game that's way too hard, mm. and I'm going to throw mine in there. Bloodborne. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. That, what a pain. That is a terrible <laughs> game. <laughs> I would, let me, let me, I'm going to steal your answer. Bloodborne is okay. going to be my answer because I picked that game up on PlayStation and I think I refunded it in like, 20 minutes. I was like, I can't beat this. Yeah, I couldn't get past the first screen. So it's <laughs> it's in the bottom of my stack of backlog. So I won't be going back to that anytime soon. Uh, how about the best meal you've ever had? I am a big fan, and I know this might offend you, but I am a big fan of Chicago deep dish pizza. And <laughs> I'm not going to say it's the best pizza because I don't think Chicago pizza is pizza. I think it's in its own category. We used to have a pizza place in Austin and it was like um, some guy from Chicago opened it up and he made authentic deep dish pepperoni 
pizzas. And it was, that's probably the best meal I've ever had. Yeah, I'm not offended. You're allowed to like Chicago style pizza, no matter how wrong you may be. <laughs> hey, New York style pizza is the best pizza pizza. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, uh, Little Caesars, we're not even bringing up Little Caesars. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's pretend pizza. There goes the Little Caesars sponsorship. <laughs> My sponsorship is now out the window. <laughs> Thanks for that. Well, there's always Domino's. Don't get me started on Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. We could do a whole 20 minutes on that, but we'll move along. Place for a dream vacation for you and the family. Anywhere you want to go, all expenses paid. Where'd you take them? Well, are you offering? <laughs> no, no. Well, it's not hypothetical. So like you guys got a great budget. Let's do this. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, my budget. <laughs> we spent it on just hooking up the electricity for this podcast today. Um, dream vacation. I've always had the dream. Growing in high school, I read about a guy who had a 28-hour birthday. Wow. And what he did was he started his morning in China, or Japan, and he flew with the time zone. And he landed oh. in, I think, California, and that's where he ended his trip. And so he had he stopped in countries for like an hour and then fueled up and then got back on the plane. That would be a fun vacation for me. Just a whirlwind 24 hours where you start your day in Japan end in California, and then, you know, you could say, hey, I had a 28-hour birthday. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. It does. Love that answer. All right. You don't have to tell your daughter the answer to this one, but do you have a favorite curse word? Oh, let's see. I, I say, am I allowed to say it? You could say it. Oh, okay. I say fuck a lot. <laughs> I think <laughs> That's fuck, a very popular yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck is definitely my favorite swear word, and I, I wish I could say it more on YouTube because I feel like <laughs> <laughs> the, there's a certain power in comedy behind the f word that mm -hmm. any swear word i guess you could really say there, there's there's a co comedic effect to it and if it's used properly it's the funniest word in the english language but it can also be one of the most intense words in the english language and true uh, yeah uh, that's definitely my favorite finally if you had to get a tattoo of a video game character, it's the new law. Let's hypothetically say you have to get a video game character tattoo. Who do you pick? Oh, that's a tough one. Who would you, let me let me flip the tables. Who would you get? Oh boy, that is a tough one. I would probably think about Arthur Morgan from Red Dead Two. Okay. You know the cowboy, the gruff look. Put that on my shoulder. Okay, why not? I would. You know, I, I would do this. My favorite arcade game is Rampage. Oh, yeah. So I would probably get like a, a mural of Lizzie um, and, and Ralph and, and uh, George destroying something on my body, probably. I remember that game, and that would be an awesome yeah. tattoo. Terrible movie, <laughs> but great, great game. <laughs> well, Brian, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really do appreciate it. You are awesome. And I want to throw in a plug for the Nerf Report on YouTube. You guys, check it out. Brian really knows what he's doing. Give them all the support and love that Thank you can. You. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. And please, I, I say this every single time that we're together. You are, hands down, my favorite Twitch streamer. And uh, more people should follow you because you are the gem of Twitch. And, and uh, thank you for, for streaming to this day. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. I do want to thank Brian again for a great interview, and I want to thank him for spending time with us. I know how precious time is these days, especially as a new parent, so I really do appreciate Brian making time for this. You can check out the Nerf Report on YouTube. Just search for it on YouTube. I will also put up a link to the Nerf Report in the description for this episode, so make sure you check it out. 
That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I appreciate the time that you spend here. And I thank you for all of your support. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.